0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich.
1: Fourth quarter GDP cons- uh, reported Thursday consensus is uh, almost 5%, which would be a really big number. Uh, and then we have um, you know Fed meeting, which is probably not going to bring too much uh, interesting, at least not in my opinion. Um, they're on hold and will be for quite some time. And then we get another 120 S&P 500 companies reporting earnings. Really big earnings week for tech. Those are what uh, we'll be watching.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here and the world's biggest chief fan, Jeff Bookbinder, also here. Um, Jeff, it happened. Your Chiefs are in the Super Bowl yet again. And we're going to do predictions in a little bit. And then again, I'm pretty sure I know your prediction, but we'll do my my prediction, which is a jinx every single time. We'll save that a little bit. Um, what do you? Th- how, how good you feeling right now?
1: Oh, feeling really good. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, excited uh, for my hometown team to go back to the big game and uh, hopefully they can uh, pull it out. Rumor has it that that Tampa Bay quarterback has been to this big game before. <laughs> certainly has some experience uh, that he can draw on. So it'll be a tough, tough matchup, no doubt. Uh, but
0: uh, yeah, I like the Chiefs, I got to admit. Yeah, I told you, we have a house divided because my son Gus, the youngest one, loves the Chiefs, loves Pat Mahomes, wearing his Pat Mahomes jersey. Um my other son, though, he um, he didn't like him as much. So they were kind of going back and forth a little bit. It was uh, it, it was good. And then even the second game got real. I, I'm afraid they're going to come to blows the second game because the one likes the Bucks and Sebastian loves Green Bay, and they were really they were getting into it a little bit. So hopefully, um, you know. Anyway, it is what it is. But we're going to have a good, uh, great Super Bowl. Congratulations to the Chiefs um, and the Tom fighting Tom Brady's down there in Tampa. It's neat for Tampa to have a. I've got an uncle who lives out of Parish. I visit him. Actually, the last place I went before everything stopped was last Febu- February, February 28th, 29th, visit him. Well, February 29th, that would be leap year, right? Uh, but his birthday is February 28th, visit him, and then everything stopped. So I love going down to Tampa seeing him. And they just had a rough go with the Bucks. So it's really cool to see a team that usually isn't very good, pretty good. So that's uh that's neat. Well, again, we'll give my I'll give my prediction uh, soon enough. But some neat a neat thing that took place, Jeff. We are sharing on the YouTube channel right now. The Dietrichs are in the whiskey business, apparently. (laughs) There's this brand new whiskey called Dietrich Whiskey. I'm from Springfield, Ohio, right? Um, Southwestern Ohio. This is made, this was like 100 years ago. They made this whiskey and they just started making it again. They made 700 uh, bottles and they sold out in a couple hours. So I didn't get any of it. Um, But nonetheless, you know, if anybody... uh, Purchases some Dietrich whiskey out there. Let me know how it is spelled the same, D E T R I C K. So, somehow down the line, given the part of the world the same last name, I think somehow I was related to these people that started making whiskey over 100 years ago. So, that's uh, I think that's pretty cool. You know, your family's not in the whiskey business by chance, are they? <laughs>
1: they are not. Uh, they put books together back in the day, but no whiskey. There you go.
0: There you go. So, all right. So enough fun stuff, Jeff. Well, we got a little more fun stuff coming, but let's get serious for a minute here on the podcast. Um, this week, there's a lot to discuss. We're going to talk uh, talk about a couple different things, um, some positive COVID trends and a little bit of an economic update as well. Take a look at small caps and technology, some interesting things taking place there. And then going to finish it up with a really interesting valuations discussion as well. So, Jeff, first things first. Um, you know, we'll start with positive, potential positive news on the uh, fight with COVID. We're seeing some positive trends, and, and again, we wrote about some of this on LPLResearch.com late last week. Check that out. Um, but Jeff, just high level, kind of what you, you you put the blog that we did together on our on our blog site. Um, what are some of the things we're seeing that are actually some positive news for a change with the fight against COVID?
1: Yeah, it looks like um, we're past this recent peak, which which is good to see. I mean, it's still terrible how many people are getting sick. How many people are hospitalized um, and dying? But uh, the trend in new cases is starting to roll over. It means that we're through the holiday bump, which, frankly, wasn't quite as bad as I think most people expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with a lot of folks getting together over the holidays. So, um, hopefully, with you know more shots going in people's arms uh, and the you know getting further. Away from that holiday peak. Um, We'll see these um, numbers of cases and and hospitalizations move uh, lower on a sustained basis here. And, um, you know, once we get to the spring, people can get outside more, we get more shots in people's arms.
0: These numbers could look really good. Yeah, absolutely. So again, on the YouTube channel, we are sharing number of cases, number of hospitalizations, and the actual number of tests. And again, tests have been <laughs> quite high, but potentially some peaks in new cases and hospitalizations. Now, the next chart we're gonna show here takes a look at, again, the number of tests, but the overall positive rate and the number of tests positive has dropped fairly significantly on a seven-day moving average as well. Some other notes on this. Um, clearly, the rollout has been disappointed, not just in the US, but in Europe as well. Um, Europe is at the time of recording this on Monday morning. Europe's down a little bit. Some of the headlines say some disappointment with the rollout. Um, you know, Dr. Fauci over the weekend said that the Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine likely will be approved sometime over the next two weeks. And you remember that vaccine is a little bit cheaper, but also only one stick versus two sticks for the Moderna and the Pfizer versions. Also, um, you don't need those big super freezers that take up a whole parking lot uh, to, to use those. So that's positive. The AstraZeneca vaccine is already approved in the U.K any day now who knows maybe by the time we're done with this recording um that'll be approved to be for emergency use in europe and likely that is coming as well to the united states so some positive there i did see the merck vaccine they had two of them actually they kind of scrapped it though it seemed like so not all positive news but for the most part some strong um some strong sites that we're seeing now jeff what's interesting we're going to talk more about cyclicals and technology in a second i guess but with these positive trends what happened last week? We had, we saw move into tech, almost kind of contrary to what you think. Is it almost a sell the news, get out of the cyclicals now that we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? What, what do you think on that one?
1: Uh, I think that's really about earning season, right? Yep. Tech and related areas, e-commerce, um, digital advertising, the fangs, right? All of that. That's where the best fundamentals are right now. Mm-hmm. And so right. as we get Into earnings season, this is a really big week. You've got um, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Tesla. Uh, As we move through earnings season, uh, it's probably going to create a little bit of a tailwind for the company's best position for the pandemic. Might delay uh, another move into cyclical value. That's probably coming over the next couple of months. Uh, But um, for now, um, we think uh, tech and those related areas, the stay-at-home stocks uh, are
0: probably better places to be. Yeah, I mean, it is all about earnings, right? For, since September, on a relative strength basis, a lot of the FANG names technology, it's not like they've done poorly. I mean, they've gone up, right? Everything's gone up. But on a relative basis, a lot of money has flown into those cyclical value names and small caps. We'll talk about small caps in a second here. Um, but you know, I think what kicked it off last week was the realization when Netflix came out and said that um, they're going to have 200 million subscribers, right? Way more than anybody was expecting. Their stock was up 17%. Everybody could looked around at themselves and said, oh, wait a minute. These home, these stay-at-home stocks. There's a reason they're succeeding, right? I mean, there's still a lot of growth there in technology, uh, communications. Remember, communications really was in, uh, getting hit the last couple of weeks um, as fears over higher regulation. Then, sure enough, the communication stocks really bounced back. So, some some definite positive steps there. I mean, Jeff, you know, there's 11 S and P 500 sectors. Let's talk about technology, which is, you could argue, maybe the most influential, it's the largest out of them. Where do you rank technology now out of the 11, and where would you rank it, say, for the year? Because I'm sure there's probably a little different short-term, long-term. How do you see tech playing out here?
1: Sure, yeah, in the short term, uh, tech would be right right up at the top, no Mm -hmm. no doubt. Fundamentals really strong uh, and uh, very well-positioned for the pandemic. But yeah, as you look out over the rest of the year, uh, that's a tougher call. I mean, healthcare is very, very cheap and we think has a solid year. You know, the policy risk probably not as bad as people think. Uh, materials, you know, China's economy is doing well. Uh, weak dollar potentially helps materials. Maybe you'll get a little more inflation later in the year. That could be a winner as we look, you know, beyond this short term period where it's, it's really still about uh, the pandemic and stay at home stocks. Um, you know, I think industrials could be a um, a really strong performer in the back half of the year as the economic recovery gets going. Uh, so those would be some of the areas that we would be uh, looking at. So you know, in the end, maybe tech ends up a top three, uh, a top four, but certainly um, uh, we recognize that it just had such a spectacular run. You know, over the last uh, you know five ten years, uh, valuations are getting a little bit frothy and maybe you see this rotation away from stay-at-home and into reopening stocks.
0: Absolutely. I mean, tech was up over 50% last year NASDAQ up over 40%, but that doesn't mean that it can't keep potentially outperforming when all is said and done. And we still think that could be the play. And again, because of earnings, which have been so, so very strong. I saw the head of Barron's had an interesting article over the weekend. According to Barron's, Nancy Pelosi's husband, he bought call options on Tesla, Apple and Disney, He almost $500,000 each, and I bought some leaps, some longer term call options, um, bullish instruments. But when I see things like that after the rally we've had, I'm sorry, Mr. Pelosi, I guess I'm calling you a contrarian indicator here. That worries me. I've got a friend who a week ago, and this is not a recommendation for this stock. He texted me, what do you think of GameStop? I have no idea. I said, oh, I don't know, you know. Sure, if you want to buy it, buy it. You know, I I don't know. And 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 then all of a sudden, I saw it last week it was up like 50% in one day. And at the time we're recording this, it was up like 45% in the morning on Monday. I want to be very clear. This is not a recommendation. It's just kind of a show of how crazy I think some of these things are. This is a stock that has a lot of shorts. There's apparently Reddit pages that are supporting it versus the hedge fund guys that are short. There are some really, really Well, fascinating things happening and honestly lucrative things happening for a lot of people, so congrats. But at the same time, those are some things that worry me a little bit from a contrarian point of view. We've talked before, put the call ratios, near historically low levels. Uh, you look at the, um, let's see, it's called the Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. They might have taking the word Merrill Lynch out of it. Maybe it's just the Bank of America Global Fund Survey Manager, Manager Fund Survey, most bullish they've ever been on small caps. We'll get to that in a second. But a lot of optimism. And hey, we're up 70% from the lows, flirting with new all-time highs as we speak. Let's be a little optimistic. But the contrarian in me, when I start to see some of these little worrisome, potentially worrisome signs is, you know what? maybe we could be due for a little bit of a break, which kind of leads me to the next chart I wanna show and talk about, at least it's on the YouTube channel. When you have a new president, um, like we do, obviously, starting last week, February and into March historically is pretty weak if you look at the S&P 500. Now, why is that? Listen talk to 10 people, get 10 answers. I think it's as simple as the new guys in charge, maybe a little uncertainty potentially, but also you start hearing about some of these new policies, maybe the market gets a little jittery. And you know, also February is just not a good month. I mean, that's that's also the side of things. So as we get into from a seasonality point of view here, let's say the next six, seven weeks or so, there's a little bit higher risk, I think, from that point of view with some of these high optimism levels that we're seeing do concern me a little bit, at least in the near term, but bigger picture, we would hopefully, we call this market signals for a reason. We pointed out a lot of signals over the past last, you know, I guess, eight, nine months that have been saying this market's going higher. We're still in that camp. It's just maybe some of these concerns are creeping up a little bit. But Jeff, let's have some fun for a second. I am showing here, and hopefully you can't see it. I thought I blocked it out. These are the top Google-searched um, um, uh, movies and TV shows of 2020 interestingly big brother brazil was a number two show uh, searched cobra kai number four you and i have talked a lot about cobra kai huge fans of cobra kai money heist emily in paris ozark pretty cool show queen's gambit i think we talked about that one a while back a lot of netflix shows on there in terms of movies top search movies parasite um, 1917 which i saw that was pretty cool black panther um you know, anyway there's the different ones now jeff jeff do you know the number one searched TV show in all of 2020. You want to take a guess by chance what it is? I'll show it on the next screen uh, if you're watching on the show on YouTube. And if not, I'll just say it. But do you know the top searched one by chance? Well, I, I had already
1: seen this list. Okay. And you did not do a good enough job of blacking out. the <laughs> failed miserably, didn't I? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you
0: can read it, you can't did, you? did. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I'll, I'll just say uh, you yeah. tell me. Tiger King. Tiger, I mean, that doesn't that sum up 2020? The most searched show all of last year was the Tiger King, who, by the way, did not get a pardon. Felt like everybody else got a pardon, and there was some back and forth on that. I'm not going to go there, but he did not get a pardon. He was hoping he crossed his fingers on getting one. Got himself in some trouble. Um, but nonetheless, the Tiger King, I mean, 2020 is not a laughing matter at all, but you know, I think we, we all remember certain things. Oh, by the way, tomorrow. Tomorrow's when 2020 just started to fall apart. Kobe died. On Tuesday, the 26th, um, you know, RIP Kobe and his daughter and all the other people that tragically passed away in that plane accident, and everything just... (laughs) It went, you know where after that it felt like uh, when Kobe passed away um, but at the start of the year in March when everyone was stuck at home and we all watched Tiger King apparently everybody searched for the Tiger King on Netflix but you gotta again give Netflix credit they, they they've done their job and there's a reason their stock is where it is and their earnings just justified it so with that kind of fun stuff out of the way Jeff let's talk about small caps and I'll let you talk for a while let me find the chart here here we go this week in our weekly market commentary we took a look at small caps we've been talking why we're constructively bullish on the group here, had an amazing, amazing run. Jeff, you want to kind of build on some of the things that you wrote about in this week's commentary regarding small caps?
1: Sure, Ryan. I'll, I'll take the um, fundamental side. Okay. You can, you can comment on technical. So, um, you know, we talked about this before, that early in economic expansion, small caps tend to do better, right? They get harder hit uh, as the recession is unfolding. And then once the recovery begins, at least the market perceives the recovery beginning, uh, they tend to regain what they lost and then and some. And so we clearly saw that um, with small caps more than doubling since March, while the S&P 500 was only up only 70, 65, 70%. Yeah, so um, yeah, small caps, been it's been quite a run. If you look back historically at the last uh, six economic expansions, you see this Low to mid double digit excess returns each year on average. Now, you know, we already got 50% excess returns. So we've probably stolen a little bit uh, of that outperformance from 2021 in 2020. Uh, but we still think small guests have a pretty good uh, chance of, of outperforming this year based on the cycle. And one of the biggest reasons why is because of earnings. Uh, I was really surprised to see this. Um, when I updated the numbers last week. So um, the S&P 500 earnings are expected to be a little above 2019 levels in 2021. It's um, only about 4%, but above, which would be great if those numbers came came in. For small caps, that, that comparison is 23%, right? Russell 2000 earnings, the small cap index, expected to be 23% above 2019 levels in 2021. Amazing. That is remarkable. The economy isn't back to where it was yet, right? We're um, you know a couple percentage points below pre-pandemic levels of gross domestic product, which ha- is how we measure um, the size of the economy and, and, and growth. Uh, earnings could be way ahead uh, for small cap stocks. So there's um, some fundamental basis for small caps to be doing as well as they are. You all, you can also look at earnings momentum. Earnings estimates the last few months for small caps have uh, been increased by about 12%, uh, and for um, large caps, uh, only about 2%. So, got more momentum, stronger growth, uh, small cap earnings uh, look, look really good. We'll see if those numbers come through, but uh,
0: they look really good at this point. Absolutely. So, you know, that was the fundamental front. You have to give a major check mark for, for some explosive, explosive growth in small caps. And honestly, when you see the huge rally, uh, remember, November was the largest monthly gain in the history of the Russell 2000 with data going back to the late 70s. Um, I forget the exact number, honestly, off the top of my head, but enormous rally. And that was, again, kind of sniffing out or anticipating probably a lot of what we're talking about. Um, so you have to ask yourself, well, could there be a little bit of a consolidation, sell the news? We, we think there could be. You know, the chart we're showing now on the YouTube channel, also in our weekly commentary, just takes a look at how many stocks in the Russell 2000 are above their long-term 200-day moving average, long-term trend line. That number currently is up close to 90%, one of the highest levels we've ever seen. You have to go back to kind of late 2003, early 2004, the last time we saw small caps this overbought. I think the key thing to point out is there was some ch- a little bit in 2004 after that initial um, surge off the major lows in 2003. But what happened, once it worked off that overbought condition, you had a continuation of a major bull move in small caps for several, several years. And that's one thing we've talked on this podcast a lot that some of the historically overbought signals we've been seeing, and we've been talking about them every single week, I think price since April, um, that this tends to resolve higher. I've said it time and time again, this is a record, it tends to resolve higher. This is the second highest ever, it tends to resolve higher. Once again, we're telling you again, this is the most overbought small caps have been since 2003, 2004, a little consolidation back then and then a move higher. So again, it's a positive overall. This is not the hallmark. Being this overbought is not the hallmark of the end of a bull market, not the hallmark of a middle of a bull market. I know it sounds crazy, but it's more of a hallmark over the beginning of a new bull move. And last on small caps, they made new highs late last year, right, on the big move up in November after the election. We know that but that also was the first new high they had in like over two years. So yes, near term, they're stretched. But if you look at it from about several years, small caps, honestly, guys are not up that much. All right. I mean, that's kind of the way to look at it. And, and again, it, it makes a lot of sense that small caps potentially could do better. Now, Jeff, tell me, I hope you didn't say it because I was maybe not paying attention. Um, the U.S. dollar kind of factors into some of this stuff. How does the dollar factor in and what helps small caps and what hurts small caps with the dollar movement? Yeah, I, I, did, I did not mention that. So yeah, two things that could slow small
1: caps a little this year. Um, one, the dollar and two, tax hikes. Mm-hmm. So a weak dollar helps companies with more international exposure, more. So large cap multinationals tend to have more international revenue. Uh, and then uh, you discount that back in a weaker dollar, potentially. Uh, that's better for them. Small caps, more domestically focused. Um, and then on the taxes um, related, you're more domestically focused, you're paying more US taxes, you get hurt more by higher US corporate tax rates. We're probably not going to get that until 2022. But um, that is very likely to happen. And that may be a little bit of a headwind for small caps relative to large.
0: All right, yeah. Let's move forward. Good stuff there, Jeff. Just want to take a moment to thank everyone who continues to listen to this podcast. Uh, please be sure to give us a positive review if you can. You know, we really appreciate um, the continued listenership. We've hit a lot of different records. You know, go to wherever you get your favorite podcast, subscribe. Um, Hit that like, hit that follow button. It means a lot to us. And again, positive reviews go a long way. So we really appreciate that. Now, Jeff, let's spend a little look at the clock. We're getting down to the time. We want to talk about fundamentals, but we also want to talk about your Chiefs. Um, I am the ultimate trend indicator. Two weeks ago, I said my Ohio State Buckeyes were going to beat Alabama. That did not happen. Last week, I was talking about how I really thought the Ravens were the surprise team. They started the season off good. They ended the season good. Well, that didn't work either. So, Jeff, I'll let you go first because I'm guessing who you're going to pick. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl here um, in a couple weeks? Uh, no surprise.
1: I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs, but I recognize mm-hmm. it's going to be tough. I think they're only favored by three. We know Tom Brady has a lot of experience in the big game, so uh, he certainly uh, won't um, – Shy away from the spotlight, but Mahomes right. is, you know, not only did, did the Chiefs win the Super Bowl last year, but they were in the AFC Championship game two years ago. So they have a lot of experience too, um, more than the Tampa Bay team beyond Tom Brady. So maybe that experience ends up uh, getting them over the hump. We'll uh, uh, we'll have to see. Nobody's going to talk about defense, but that'll probably be a big part of the game too. I would say, whose defense plays better, who makes fewer mistakes.
0: Yeah, what's, what's defense? That's, that's kind of boring. Now, Gronk, I guess you could say Gronk has experience, right? Remember the one time when they lost the Super Bowl, he was out dancing, having fun the whole night, and everybody got a little mad at him. It's was like, oh, you know, hey, he won a bunch of other ones. So, all right, Jeff, you're going to hate me, but I'm picking the Chiefs too. And I know you're going to hate me. I'm sorry, they're the best team. They got uh, the best player, and they're the best team. So, can I? it is what it is. So everybody... Yeah. Take for that what you want. <laughs> I am the contrarian indicator. I just jinx the chiefs. So I'm sorry. All right, Jeff, we got a couple more minutes. Let's round it up here. Uh, evaluations, you know, with our advisors on Thursday, well, every day we have a, a more than our 17,000 advisors. We have a morning call every every uh, day. Last Thursday, you did a discussion on valuations. I thought it was really interesting from a global point of view. We don't have a ton of time, but Jeff, I just wanted to, I said, wow, well, that was awesome. Like, let's do that for the podcast. So Jeff, I'll be quiet for a few minutes. Kind of tell me or tell our listeners where are valuations from the point of view of emerging markets, United States, and then globally as well, sprinkling in some Japan, I know. Take it away, Jeff.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, real, real short on this. So uh, US stocks are much more expensive than Europe, Japan, and uh, emerging markets. But that's almost always the case, especially in recent decades. So the question is, is is the discount uh, you know bigger than average or smaller than average? And is it justified? So the- The key takeaway here is we think um, premium valuations in the U.S. are justified. Um, If you look at, you know, EFA MSCI, EFA index, which is mainly uh, Europe and Japan, if you break that down to Europe and Japan separately, you'll see that Europe is actually expensive. It's trading at about a 30% premium to its 25-year average. Uh, Similar to the U.S., by the way, but Europe's also expensive. It's really Japan that's making developed international stocks cheap. Uh, Japan's about a 15% discount to its long-term average uh, valuations relative to, yeah, relative to that average. So um, key point here, Japan's still cheap. Europe's really not that cheap. And we would continue to favor Japan on fundamentals as well uh, over Europe. Uh, But we like emerging markets better than developed international. There's cheaper than than the um, developed international markets. Anyway, and the fundamentals just look so much better. We know that Chinese and other Asian economies are doing much better right now uh, than uh, Europe, Japan, and the US. It's probably going to continue for a little bit until the US economy uh, and the recovery really gets rolling. So, uh, as we think about where to invest regionally, we like the US, we like emerging markets, uh, and we're not as enthusiastic about de- developed international.
0: Uh, some headlines over the weekend. China passes the U.S. as Japan's top exporter, um, and also China passed the U.S. as a top destination for foreign direct investment. So there's, there's a major change potentially in the air, and China continues to grow. And that's a, a even though, I guess, we still call them an emerging market. We could argue that a different day. Um, what they are is they're a big huge part of the global economy. A lot of investments are going there, and there's some positive things uh, taking place from the fundamental point of view, which should continue to help emerging markets. But Japan's another one. You know, for the last 30 years, Japanese Nikkei is up 1% annually. All right. So, yeah, I know Japan's had a big move lately and we've talked why we like Japan, but from a kind of like that small cap discussion a little bit ago. So, you know, in the last couple of years, small caps really aren't up that much. It's just the last six months are up a lot or four months are up a lot. Look at Japan for the last 30 years. They're up one percent a year. Think about that. There's (laughs) that's what it is. It's like, well, if you've been in it for 30 years, that's terrible. But if you haven't been, you're thinking ah maybe there's a place that could finally start to get some momentum and some improvement boy, uh, Japan is definitely one of our areas we do like. So with all of that, Jeff, I think we've hit the end of the road for the podcast. Um, again, want to thank all of our listeners. Thank Neil, as always, for helping us get this out and make, it look, uh, make us look and sound good. So thank you, Neil. And with all of that, um, enjoy. I hope everyone enjoyed the long week. Or no, know, Jeff, you know what? Real quickly, real quickly, like 30 seconds, what are you watching for this week and what should people have their eyes on?
1: Yeah, fourth quarter GDP... Uh, reported Thursday, consensus is uh, almost 5%, which would be a really big number. Uh, and then we have um, you know Fed meeting, which is probably not going to bring too much uh, interesting, at least not in my opinion. Um, they're on hold and will be for quite some time. And then we get another 120 S&P 500 companies reporting earnings, really big earnings week for tech. Those are what uh, we'll be watching.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. So again, we'll be back next week. Probably talk a little about the Fed, a little bit about earnings. Who knows? Maybe talk about how much we just love Cobra Kai again. Just, just uh, I, I texted Jeff with like the last 90 seconds the way the season ended the YouTube clip. I know you saw it, but it's just like, oh my goodness. It's so good. Hey, anyway, everybody, take care. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week on the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals Podcast. See you then. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principle. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All index ...are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations and may lose value.